Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hi, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of the Animal Files podcast. Today, we are going to focus on three very specific trends that popped up last year that will most likely have some staying power going forward. The trends in question revolve around nutrition, advances in technology, and the rising trend of humanization. So what do you need to know? What's good? What's not? What questions should you be asking yourself before participating in these trends? Well, we're going to help you out with all that. Are you ready? You got those notebooks handy? Mm. Strap yourself in. A couple of them, we're going to sound like a broken record, but that's okay. The more we say it, the more you know it. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be fine. Just kind of hang in there. (laughs) So what's the first one we're going to talk about? Well, I guess more people are having more of an increased concern and interest in their pet's nutrition. Yay. That's great. I'm bored with that. (laughs) There has apparently been a shift from a pet's general well-being to wanting more specific functionality which is driving the use of ingredients that that address digestive, joint, heart, dental, and skin health, as well as mental well-being. But this can include additions of things like probiotics, hyperallergenic ingredients, and superfoods. Which may not always be good for your animals. Yeah. Superfoods too. There's a concern with that because that might not necessarily be environmental in the sense of how sustainable are those ingredients. Superfoods might be great, but... If you think about how we humans, I guess, market our foods, our superfoods are the really heavy, dark greens like spirulina and kale and spinach and all of those things. Hmm. And a lot of those things have oxalates in them. And that can cause problems with the animal and their digestion. Mm. They can have a buildup of oxalate crystals. Dogs may be omnivores, and we're going to get to some of these things here, but they're not going to be eating kale on the regular in the wild. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these superfoods may not all be that beneficial. And if you're wondering why I'm bringing this up, go back to our nutrition episodes that we had, I think season one where we discuss a lot of this stuff because there are people who put foods in our cats and dogs foods that they think it's going to make them quote unquote balanced and healthy. Mm -hmm. And what it is doing is actually making our animals sicker Mm -hmm. because their bodies cannot process it, especially cats because they're putting carrots and cranberries and blueberries in our cat food. They can't process that stuff. You're going to make your animal sick. I'm Mm -hmm. kind of on board with the trend of wanting our animals to eat better, but I'm not on the trend of trying to make their food as balanced as human diets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a large number of people who are currently seeking better quality, nutritional balance, alternative protein sources, less environmental impact, fresh food options, organic and natural options. Some of that can be good and some of that can be dangerous. Yeah. One of the 
things that can cause issues is that a lot of these food companies are aware of this trend and they are marketing. Marketing is can be very questionable. They are marketing their package with claims that their products have these additional ingredients that people are searching for or that certain ingredients have been removed. But you can't always believe what they say on the labels because they usually put this on the front, kind of like one of those bubble things. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we've got this in this product, you know, and that's what people see and that's what they respond to. But if you actually did a deep search of their ingredients, it might not be true. It's all manipulative marketing. You know, you might have this strong desire to improve your pet's nutrition, but you might also be feeling a lot of confusion and believe that your pet's nutrition needs are more confusing than your own. They're not. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, you might be feeling overwhelmed with the choices that are available out there. Oh, yeah. Multi-billion dollar market. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mixed messages and disagreements around pet nutrition. Tell me about it. (laughs) Even the medical professionals don't know. Unless they have special training, they don't know. They know the basics, but they don't know the details. One of the things that really gets my goat is the comment, whether it's for food, whether it's for health services or whatever, the comment of there is no scientific evidence that a certain diet or way of feeding is better than the commercial diets available. Oh, I mean, it might not be said exactly in that way. <laughs> no, I've, I've actually heard that almost word for word. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's no scientific evidence to uh, support that. It doesn't need to be scientific because they're individuals. And I'm telling you that this does not work on my animal. And guess what? Science is usually behind. We usually have the information of how something is beneficial and how it works before science even ever catches up to it. Yeah. I've had many conversations with my medical professionals about nutrition, both human and animal. And you must stay researched and knowledgeable. I have been able to extend the lives of my cats specifically through food and making sure they eat what is naturally good for them. I've even made my own food. It's not easy. I don't recommend it unless you have the training, but I've been able to extend the life of my animals by going against the scientific evidence, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Another challenge that happens out there that's you know, maybe you feel like you can trust your veterinarian to recommend the best things for your animal. But there are some veterinarians that will recommend foods that they carry in their clinic without consideration of any of other options that are available out there. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're trying to push something on you to make your animal sick. It's just that don't know. They're not given the full information I don't know whether it's because the veterinary organizations don't allow them to. I have no idea. They're not doing it to be malicious in any way, shape, or form. This is just the way the industry is. Mm -hmm. They will know of basics, but make sure you do your own research. Yeah. However, if you do have a veterinarian that says, 
you should feed them this food that we carry and you try to discuss with them any other options that you have looked at, make sure you have looked at it and have some information about it first. But if you come back to them and you say, oh yeah, you know, I've, I've looked into this and this seems like a good option and stuff like that. And they won't even consider any other options and they still want you to get what they sell in the clinic. They don't have your animal's best interests in mind because they're not being open-minded to any other options. They should at least be willing to have a conversation with you about it. Yes. And remember, you are the animal's guardian. You are the one that's responsible for their health, not your vet. Your vet Mm -hmm. is your tool to help support them, but they are not the be all end all of what your animal needs. Mm -hmm. They're there for medical things. Unless they have a degree in animal nutrition, they are just a medical professional. And I'm not saying this, vets are amazing. I love my vets. I don't question them for what they're trained in. I think if you're going to go holistic, if you're going to try to be eco-friendly, if you're going to try to be nutritionally balanced for your animal, you work with your vets. So I don't want you to think that we're against vets because we're not. We actually encourage you to have a vet and to talk with your Mm -hmm. vet. But we encourage you to have a conversation and a relationship with your vet so you can... Mm -hmm support each other and get what your animal needs to thrive. Mm -hmm. So I don't want anybody coming at me saying that we're against vets. You know, we're not, we're not against vets. (laughs) It just shouldn't be a one-way street. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Conversation relationships. That's how you work with your vet. Mm -hmm. And don't forget the animal in that formula. You have to have the animal in the conversation as well. Mm -hmm. Now, some of you might be thinking you want to feed your pet a more nutritious, balanced diet with the idea in mind of how you are eating, what your beliefs are. So you might have beliefs around health. You might have beliefs around animal welfare, and you might end up choosing diets like a vegan diet or a paleo diet or keto, gluten-free, vegetarian. And we cannot do that to our animals. There are four key things that you should really keep in mind when you are choosing nutrition for your pet. Animals should not eat the way humans do. Let's say that again. Animals should not (laughs) eat the way we do. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Dogs are omnivores. They are not herbivores. They require mostly animal protein as well as fruits and veggies that are suitable and safe for them. But I would say that they do require probably at least 75% animal meat. Mm -hmm. So they do require a lot. Mm -hmm. They can't just be a once in a while meat eater like humans. There are some humans on this planet that don't need to eat meat as much. We're still omnivores. Dogs are not that way. Dogs need at least 75% animal meat. Mm -hmm. Cats, on the other hand, are obligate carnivores. They are not omnivores and they are not herbivores. They don't need to eat grains, dairy, fruits, or vegetables. At all. At all. Their digestive system cannot process those. 
And the last thing to keep in mind is some human foods can make your pets very, very sick. Shall we repeat that? Animals are not to eat the way humans do. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go to pet trend number four. Which kind of clicks into some of the things we were talking about in the anxiety section. Yes. Investing in pet tech and pet-friendly gadgets. Hopefully we don't repeat ourselves here. (laughs) Because we did talk a lot about this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Are you a pet tech savvy person? Are you someone who likes to get the newest gadget for yourself and your pets or find the apps that will make things feel more convenient? Some of the tech-based solutions out there can include things like dog-activated video calls, virtual vet visits, GPS tracking callers, smart callers, which potentially can detect health-related concerns, smart vests, which can track activity levels, and health and safety monitoring solutions. So there's a lot of different things out there right now, and it's going to increase as we go along. Some of these can be really highly beneficial in protecting your pets, communicating with them throughout the day, and potentially monitoring their health. However, some might not be so beneficial, and they might be used more to entertain your pet or make things more convenient, like automatic feeders and litter boxes, social media for pets, and smart pet doors, which offer a secure way for pets to enter and exit the home. There are some videos and apps out there, such as interactive screens where cats can chase mice, squirrels, and birds. That might be a positive thing for their mental health. Maybe it supports their mental stimulation and reduce boredom and things like that. Social networking, though, a little bit, none, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> One of the top social networking apps out there is Petsby, P-E-T-Z-B-E. It apparently was created by pets for pets. (laughs) Ridiculous. Oh my gosh. I've never heard of that created by pets. Oh my goodness. Shaking my head. (laughs) So according to their description... Whether your pet is snuggling, sniffing, snoozing, snacking, scratching, snorting, or just being incredibly small, S-M-O-L, which apparently is an animal small in size, if you want to go back to listen to our uh, funky terms and phrases, you can add that one in. (laughs) Petsby is supposed to be all about sharing your pet's very own pet perspective. (laughs) So silly. Yeah, I could tell you that that trend's not going to stick around. Because if you're doing that, there's probably a whole bunch of people on there that are entertaining themselves at the expense of the animal. Yeah, that could be. I see it on Instagram all the time. People thinking that they're being funny and they're not. Mm. And I, this is where I'm very, very, very happy that when I watch Jackson Galaxy videos, I'm like, thank you. Because I agree with him. Yes. He points out the people who are using the animals for their personal entertainment. So the animals are getting stressed and uncomfortable and that in order 
to create entertainment for the humans. We don't want that. No. Another product out there is called Wonder Wolf. W-O-N-D-E-R-W-O-O-F. It's a connected dog collar that tells you how much your dog is interacting with particular doggy friends. That's weird. <laughs> it apparently allows, it's, it's kind of more again about the owner. It allows you to meet other dog owners in your area and schedule doggy play dates. It tracks your da- dog's daily activities, rest time, and makes sure they get the proper amount of exercise based on their breed, size, weight, and age. So I guess there's a little bit of a positive if it actually is effective in that way. Mm-hmm. It can help to remind you about different actions like feeding, grooming, playing, and giving medicine. Hopefully you don't need to have a reminder to feed your dog or feed your cat or play with them. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> And if you do, you don't deserve to have an animal living in your home. I'm sorry. That's, I know that sounds harsh, but if you think that the animal is your entertainment and that it's not your responsibility to make sure that they're taken care of with their meals and and their appointments and their medicine, you don't deserve to have it. Sorry. They're not there to make you feel like a whole person. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So as we say, some of these tech products and gadgets can be beneficial for your pets, some of them not so much. So please be discerning as to whether you, again, are using these products and gadgets solely for your benefit at the expense of your pet, whether it's benefiting your pet. I mean, sometimes it can be a convenience for you and not change anything for your pet which I guess that's fine. So just be discerning because, you know, even if you choose a tech gadget or product that is not at the expense of your pets, that's okay. You just don't want to use anything that is going to be at the expense of them. So certain apps can provide you some convenience in things like easily booking appointments for your pets, finding a dog walker or a pet sitter, or buying products for your pet like as an e-commerce. Yeah, I'm, I have no problems with that. If you need to help schedule your life, that's one thing. But scheduling when mm-hmm. to feed the dog, that's a whole entirely different thing. Yes. That's a tool that I think is a, a good one, especially as our lives get busier and busier. It can be, but it doesn't necessarily save time. No, Because it the problem with them is that they might be able to help you determine or like help you to find this information that's available, but what they don't do is that they don't tell you which businesses, services, and products are qualified or safe, or they won't necessarily do that. So for example, there's a website by the name of Rover, which has dog walkers and pet sitters that you can potentially book. However, this app does not vet its dog walkers or pet sitters. So they do not make sure that they are qualified that they've had successful services in the past or anything like that. There's just nothing seems to be, they may have changed, but I remember hearing from somebody in the past that this is not something that they do. Well, if they haven't changed yet, maybe they'll change now. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Because we're talking about it. (laughs) So, you know, if you go onto a site like that, you don't necessarily know if someone is going to be qualified, professional, or responsible. 
just do your own search and find websites and reviews and stuff like that on these different businesses and services and products so that you can feel relatively confident that you're getting what you want to get rather than being surprised. There can be some booking appointment apps that will help streamline things for both the business as well as you. However, there's also a lot of these apps that can greatly lack in customer support if there are any issues. Yeah. Again, especially now with AI getting the way it is, you're going to see apps popping up everywhere because now you can just buy an AI that will create an app. Doesn't necessarily mean that what comes from that app is going to be repeatable. So you're still going to have to do your research. Mm -hmm. Benefit the animal, not just the human. Mm -hmm. So some potential future pet tech that you may find in the next few years is you might find ancestral databases for your pets. You might find facial recognition products. You might also find advanced solutions for litter and dog poop. Just use discernment. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So let's go to the last trend. And this is going to be another big one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But we already started talking about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say the title and you can continue on from there. Okay. We've talked about this over and over again. And this is definitely has been a trend off and on. And right now it's kind of on and on, I think. And that's humanizing your animals. The humanization of animals needs to stop. It is not a good trend and does not benefit the animal. Why? Why does not benefit the animal, Miranda? (laughs) Well, before we get into that, let's understand the two aspects. There's actually one aspect of humanizing our animals and another aspect of anthropomorphizing our pets. That's a mouthful. Yes. <laughs> we often use the word humanizing kind of as the all-encompassing, but there is a little bit of a difference between the two. Both of these processes are leading pet parents to spoil their pets with items and services such as organic bedding, meal delivery services, TV subscription services, and personalized subscription boxes because they view their pets to be a member of the family and want to provide their children with happy, healthy, fulfilling lives and want to provide them with types of products and services they use themselves. Some of it's not that bad. No. But there's many out there that are overboard. Oh, yes. So what is anthropomorphism? It's the process of attributing human characteristics, traits, emotions, intentions to non-human beings. Humanizing, on the other hand, refers to the process of classifying a non-human being under the human category. Okay. (laughs) Anthropomorphism can lead to faulty assumptions about the internal motivations of your pet and can cause us to react or behave in ways that are not helpful or supportive. So, for example, you might believe your dog feels guilty for chewing on your shoe Or you might believe that your cat peed on your bed out of revenge. Basic animal behaviors involve seeking pleasure and avoiding stress without the complex emotions and intentions that humans tend to have. 
So guilt and revenge is not part of their basic animal instincts, animal behavior. Neither is spite. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people say that their animals are spiteful. Mm -hmm. They might be able to learn spite, but they're not spiteful. Mm -hmm. It's simply them sharing a dissatisfaction or they're just unhappy. And so they're dealing with their stress a certain way. They're not doing it to be mean. They're not doing it because they want to give you a what for. Like that doesn't mm. happen. That's that's not part of the brain chemistry of an animal. It's been suggested that the marketing strategies of pet businesses may be overusing humanization as a way to connect with you because they have essentially been given free reign to do so. However, it's not all bad. Humanization has likely led to better food options, healthcare, and safer products. It has led to more funding and interest in animal research, the animal research that actually benefits the animals, Mm -hmm. in order to create foods and products that are better for our animals. It has also led to the creation of food and treat products, as well as supplements that are not necessarily beneficial or healthy for our pets. So examples of this might be adding ingredients to a food product that would not normally be eaten in the wild and potentially limiting the amount of protein required by a cat or a dog. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. It has also led to the creation of boutique and fad diets, such as keto and vegan products, by companies that may not do any research or utilize animal nutritionists, plus using the term human grade, which does not need to be verified to cause pet owners to feel better about what they are buying. Manipulative marketing. Mm -hmm. How many of you have noticed that you have been pulled into these marketing strategies? I'm sure we all have at some point. Probably because it's not that, you know, it's not saying that you're stupid or, or anything like that. It's just that most of us are just unaware and don't know how to evaluate effectively what is being marketed to us. Yeah, these companies like to weaponize our empathy Mm -hmm. and weaponize our love for our animals. That's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds really harsh, but that's exactly what they're doing. They're weaponizing your empathy so they can make more money. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're not doing something you're supposed to be doing. Here's what you should be doing. So buy this really expensive food and we'll let you know how well you're doing. Yeah, it's weaponization of your empathy and love. Mm -hmm. Another humanizing thing that has come about, and it's probably evolved through TV, movies, stories, different things like that, and maybe commercials and that as well, is the promotion of freely giving food and treats to our pets to express our love for them. Problem is, is this is leading them to become overweight and unhealthy. And animals do not equate food with love. Mm -hmm. They just don't. So is there anything wrong with some of these products or services that you might choose to invest in? In most cases, no, but it really depends on the reason you want to buy it and who is really benefiting. So for example, if you choose organic bedding for your pet, this might make you feel better, but your pet probably isn't really going to care. And they may not even use it. <laughs> that's, that's possible too. 
It's probably better for the environment. It probably has little to no chemicals or toxins, but again, that depends on how it was produced. And it probably provides comfort for your pet if they choose to use it. Something like meal delivery services might help you to consistently get the healthy, balanced, natural specialty food you want for your pet. But what is the shipping process like? And how does the company package their food and materials? And does your dog really care? <laughs> I mean, I know it feels good to give them good food and I know it keeps them healthy, but do they really need a meal delivery service? Discernment. Mm -hmm. Things like music or TV subscriptions might help you to reduce your pet's anxiety or behavior challenges as one of the options of keeping them engaged. So you don't want to be relying on it. Mm -hmm. And then what about subscription boxes? Well, this might seem like a really awesome thing because your pets get new toys, treats, accessories each month, but is it really needed? That's a good question because I know I thought about doing a box for when my cats were around and I realized that just creates so much waste because mm. even though Maisie was a destroyer, she didn't destroy her toys that much. A mm. little stitch here, stitch there, fixed it. I would have so many toys and so many things that they would not even use. It would be a waste. Mm. Now, if you have a dog that's a destroyer, Maybe it could be, again, you go with the individualization of the animal, not necessarily the humanization of the animal. Of course, I still think animals are people too, but that's in the sense that you need to be concerned with them like you would another person, not in we need to give them everything that we have. Mm -hmm. It's more of an empathy rather than, a, you know, I guess what, whatever the word is, but that's mm -hmm. neither here nor there. But it would just create so much waste for some animals if you were to do subscription boxes. And then you would always have stuff to be throwing away. And you would end up like, I don't know, like a kid who gets everything at once and has a room full of toys that doesn't do anything with them. Mm -hmm. And, you have, just and the they waste. have no appreciation for what it is that they do have. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, subscription boxes may not be a, a bad thing in and of itself. I think it's more how they're being done that is the issue because yeah. a lot of these companies want you to pay a fee every single month. But if there could be some companies that were more environmentally friendly and could get it that you get one every six months or every four months or something like that so that it's less frequent and you know you have the option of sort of choosing, okay, in this month, I want this stuff. In this month, I want this stuff. So that you're not getting excess of things that you don't need. Yeah, they're still running on this mystery box theory, mm -hmm. as opposed to a customizable box that actually addresses the individuality of the family and of the animal. Right. Mm -hmm. But we'll see how that develops in the future. You know, again, if we can get businesses that can focus more on the needs of their consumers and less on their profit desires, then that would be good. But I don't know when that We're will not there yet. <laughs> I, I don't know if we're ever going to get there. <laughs> we might find companies getting more concerned, but they're never going to 
get rid of their profit desires because why would they be in business? Mm-hmm. It's a sad, sad, sad thing, but it is what we have to work with. And as long as you use your discernment and you focus on the things that we keep repeating over and over, research, individuality, using what you need, not what's beyond what you need, things mm-hmm. like that to be really conscious. I think mm-hmm. that's the best word to be really conscious about these trends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think to wrap it all up, all of these different trends that we talked about is that, you know, your task as a pet owner is to see through the marketing messages and buy what is best for your animal companion on their terms and not yours. Yep. Though there is a movement to greatly improve animal welfare to view them as sentient beings and to give them more respect and understanding. We need to be aware of whether we are trying to treat them like a human being or whether we are treating them like a being in their own right. Yeah, I like that. And that's why I may say animals are people too. It's not because we're treating them like a human being. We're treating them like a being in their own right. Mm-hmm. Again, you your empathy towards your animal and how you treat them with love and care and concern should be equal to that that you do with your family member with the same diversity of emotions, of needs, of desires. That's what I mean when I say animals are people too. Not because they're human, because they're not. They don't think like us. They don't act like us. They don't feel like us. They are who they are, but they need to be treated with the same respect that we would treat another human being. And that mm-hmm. means you're not going to push things on another human being that benefit you. Because if you did, that human would go away. Well, the animal doesn't have that choice. The animal is going to be there no matter what. So don't push yourself on them. Let them be them. Understand their communication, understand their instincts, understand their breed, their species. Don't assume that you know what your dog's going to want to eat or what your cat's going to want to eat or what they're going to play with or if they're going to need 20 toys a month. Listen to your animal. Use discernment and walk this path of pet ownership consciously. Mm -hmm. If we can make the effort to pay attention to our animals, to learn to listen to them, they will tell us what they need. And it's not going to be some fancy organic bed. It's going to be your lap and your love and your concern. Mm-hmm. Your needs are pretty simple. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they have love and you give them attention, they're just, they're happy. That's just who they are. <laughs> Again, some of these things are trends that we don't need to be concerning ourselves with. Others are trends that aren't going to go away. So we need to make sure we do our research and we're very conscious and aware about everything. Just be smart and listen to your animal. What do they want? How do they want you to interact with them? And do what you need to do to support them as their own being. And I think that's it. So if you have any questions, as always, just email us. The Animal Files podcast at gmail.com. We're there for you. We will answer your questions. We also have our website, which is the Animal Files podcast.com. All our links to our socials are there. Any 
links you need to help support the show, resources, it's all there for you. And if you like this, make sure you share this podcast out. Let's help other pet owners mm-hmm. understand the needs of our animals. Mm-hmm. So did we cover everything? I think we've said everything that we need to say. And more. <laughs> and more. <laughs> All right. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was informative. And we will see you next time on the Animal Files podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.